Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I'm in the studio in Fitzrovia and earlier on I was just mooching about town and I saw California Kitchen, which is an incredible plant-based it's a QSR, quick service style uh, restaurant that's just off Tottenham Court Road. A really amazing concept from a really amazing guy. So our next guest is Louis Blake. And Louis and I have known each other, you know, maybe about a year, but just fleetingly, um, nothing too deep. So I'm really excited about meeting him properly, having a proper chat and just learning about his, I guess, eclectic career so far from recruitment to football to marketing to nightclubs to then this huge shift in lifestyle and business really focusing on taking veganism in a positive way to the masses. Louis has so much to say about all these great tips for starting your own business, starting your own restaurant, young entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs and also really thinking about how you can change your customers' attitudes towards things like veganism, being more flexitarian, and really thinking about how you can make a positive impact on the world whilst pleasing customers everywhere. So it gives me the most Instagrammable millennial vegan more talent than you can imagine pleasure ever uh, to be sitting in front of Mr. Louis Blake. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm very hot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's particularly warm today. I think it's yeah. uh, definitely the warmest day of this year, if not the warmest day in memory in London. It's so uh, gonna, Yeah, it's going to be 3-7, isn't it? It's just supposed to be, yeah. Ooh. So we're here in shorts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, the camera's not showing, <laughs> showing mine, at least. Um, but yeah, and you were so uh, respectful and stuff, saying your, your journey details as you were coming, because the trains are screwed, and you had to drive down, and... I yeah, think when, as, soon as, as soon as the weather goes it, to one extreme or the other, yeah, we, yeah. we struggle to cope in this country. Oh, I, I always thought that if I was going to, not that I'm going to, but if I was going to become a terrorist, I would just do like a, 
a light drizzle machine <laughs> or something like that. You know, just like the whole fucking country just goes Which into chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a shock. But then we seem to handle okay in Scotland. You know, we seem to be all right. Yeah, I think you're more used mostly to it, constant more rain. More used to it, yeah. More constant rain. It's a bit of a nightmare. Um, so I'm so glad to have you today. We have just briefly met in passing a couple of these events. Um, and I was so pleased to hear about your scholarship stuff, which we must talk about, yep. the RMI thing. Is that what you call it? Was that scholarship? RMI scholarship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can talk about that. We've been talking about agencies and pains of clients uh, as much as we love them um, and all that world. And yeah, and it's just to hear loads about you, your thinking. I suppose in this context, I'm an old guy now, so um, I just would be really excited to hear your sort of new view as being, you know, one of the pretty much the leader of the the new wave of of, of restaurateurs that are coming through. Well, it was, so. it, was, it was great to be on the same stage or share the stage. Mm. Albeit, I was I before you or after you? Before, the, before you at yeah. Experience One Hundred and One, right. and it was great to hear how aligned our kind of perspective and viewpoints were in terms of what we're doing. So we're definitely on the same page with lots good. of that. So be good to deep dive into some of that. Even stuff. although I'm getting grey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I guess it's just starting at the start a bit. You know, I, th- I think you've had a. I don't mean this in a bad way, but a sort of checkered. Uh, approach into yeah. where, where you've got to you've you've kind of experienced lots of things across you know, your fa- career fail fast right okay <laughs> loads of failures yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I certainly didn't start out in hospitality mm-hmm. uh, I'm more taking a backward step start out with the mindset of I want to do something that's really fun and that I get paid reasonably well for mm. and it doesn't feel like work yeah um and early on, that was football. Yeah. So at 16, I was coaching football, went off to the US, went mm-hmm. off to Mexico, and moved back to Norwich, where I'm from. What's your team? Norwich. Is it Norwich? Oh, yeah. well done. Got to the, the home local. club, haven't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, think, yeah. I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I moved back to Norwich, uh, age 20, started a football academy. And it was going well, but I thought, you know, got this kind of thirst for business and mm. for creating ideas. And I hadn't really had a job until that, and up to that point. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of got very used to being able to be accountable for my own time mm-hmm. and, and, and my own money. And I kind of thought, well, what else do I enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. And at 21, as most young people do, I really enjoyed going out for a drink. Yeah. So I thought I'd start putting my own nights on. Norwich was kind of a bit of a sleepy city, but yeah. especially midweek. And the only nights you could really get from a club owner were midweek when they weren't already busy. Mm-hmm. So I'd done a deal with a club owner and a friend of mine. And we'd take the door money. He'd take the bar money. Yeah. We'd put a party on and promote it. And that's kind of the first kind of... I guess my first entry into marketing. That's so we cool. started the student night and within a year we we were national. It was in Brighton and Bournemouth. What was, and, it? What was it called? Um, the first one was called Decorus. Uh-huh. And then we did, um, I teamed up with a lad from Brighton called Charlie. We did one called Pazzo and there's a few nights in Brighton, mm-hmm. Bournemouth, London, Lincoln, Cambridge. Um, and yeah, at that time I thought, well, making all this money for, for other people's clubs. I'd like to have my own club. Mm-hmm. And so close to Norwich, a seaside town called Lowestoft, we took on a club that was failing, had that for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the first, I guess, bricks and mortar endeavour, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to purely being a marketing body and actually doing it for your own business. Really? Um, great fun, loved it. What age? Uh, the I, was 22, I was 22 then. Jesus, okay. Yeah, I was 22. Um, Scary, No. No, I loved Scary. it. I just it didn't, I didn't ever consider for a second that it wouldn't work. Right. Yeah. I think there was kind of like this kind of, 
I guess it worked in my favour to be so deluded Ooh. that nothing could fail. Um, <laughs> and it was at the time when Facebook was really becoming becoming yeah. adopted by the masses. Um, we were running Facebook events that were treated in the same way you'd treat a handwritten letter. Yeah. You know, you invite someone to a Facebook event and they feel like they've been personally invited. So yeah. it was extremely effective in those days. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of, I guess, benefited from the popularity and the emerging popularity of those platforms. Mm-hmm. So early onto Facebook, early onto Twitter, um, opened another club in Chelmsford, a second club after okay. the first one we'd finished. Um, and we built, based the whole promotion of that club on generating uh, huge, huge uh, reach online. Brilliant. So influencers, I don't know if they were called influencers then, but anyone with a blue tick that I could get to post, yeah, they yeah. posted, um, drummed up a huge, uh, a huge kind of reach for, the, for that opening. And yeah, and that was kind of, and then got more interested in, the, in how to market hospitality businesses yeah. and came back to London and got into the club scene in the West End. Um, and through that kind of avenue, I, I just fell in love with promoting and marketing and being creative and yeah. how to kind of encourage people to come in and try the food and the drinks. And what was the food scene, uh, food, sorry, club scene in London? What were you involved with here? It was very West End. So again, I guess what we'd done with the student nights was kind of a diluted... Um, accessible version of these high-end premium nightclubs. So right. discounted bottles, but encouraged table service. Got yeah. got people to think about dressing up as opposed to going out in their Converse. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of uh, kind of offer that kind of glam nightlife without necessarily having the budget to really live it. So yeah, to speak. well, that's really interesting because most student nights are cider and black. Yeah. Doc Martens, you know, or whatever, or, you know, just shots and all the rest of it. So that's quite an interesting spin on it to say, here's an aspirational. Well, that was a gap that we saw. I mean, you, yeah. you know, particularly if you look at um, certain universe, certain courses attract mm. a certain kind of person, you know, mm-hmm. just because someone's at university doesn't necessarily mean that they want to go out and, you know, drink shots of, uh, you know, green <laughs> apple <laughs> sours, apple or, yeah, sours yeah, yeah. or, you know, or necessarily dressed down. You know, you do have, you know, girls in their early 20s that, that want to dress up and go out and may mm. not have the budget to fully do so. So yeah, it was kind yeah. of offering them an alternative to the traditional student night, which yeah. was well received and worked well. Coming into London, though, um, a few years later and doing it there was kind of the real deal. And did you move here? Yeah, I moved to, so we opened the club. We, we were based in London as the kind of operational point for mm-hmm. the student nights. Um, and the nightclub is in Chelmsford, so we were driving up there and back from London. Okay. Um, and then I got involved in, uh, in in some nights in the West End. Um, and it was through that that I kind of built a network in the hospitality industry. Because mm-hmm. what I would do, I'd go quite old school on it. I'd go out to the bars, the hotels, the concierge desks, mm-hmm. and try and build relationships with those guys on the basis that they could perhaps send me their guests and I'd yeah, look after yeah. them in, in the clubs. What that led to was me building up a pretty good network. Mm-hmm. And I'd become an accidental recruiter. Okay. So someone would message me and say, Louis, I, I really need a general manager. Do you know anyone? And I'd happen to know someone that was looking for a job, put Brilliant. them in touch. Over the course of the year, I was placing all these people. And a friend of mine said, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of recruiting about getting paid for it. Maybe you should look into doing that. Um, so we ended up starting a recruitment company. Okay. Did that in the daytime, did the nightclubs in the evening. What was it called? Gold Mills. It's still going today. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's cool. still going today. Yeah. Uh, Louisa, who was the first person we hired, she still runs it. Adam and Tom were the people that... They had a recruitment company already in construction. Okay. They gave us their infrastructure. Yeah. And and supported us in, in setting it up. Um, so yeah, it, it's a hospitality specific recruitment, uh, restaurants, bars, hotels, mm-hmm. etc. Were you shirt and tie and all that jazz? Or yeah, I was. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, shirt and tie. <laughs> it was didn't. It was. I wasn't very comfortable with it. No. So uh, we actually started recruiting some marketing roles. 
And what I quickly realised was the people that we were interviewing in the process mm -hmm. didn't really know what they were doing. And there was imagine that. And there was yeah. And there was <laughs> there, you know these big restaurant groups willing to pay pretty good salaries to people. Sixties, yeah, the rest pretty of it, good yeah. salaries to people to, to 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 look after their marketing, who in turn would outsource every function of the job and essentially just be a pilot. It's so funny you say that. I've never ever summed it up in that way, but it is right that yeah. you know a lot of people come you know ask about recruitment to me as well, and I start now asking for commission, and then they don't phone you back. But basically. Uh, you know, hiring that expensive resource to just be like a traffic director, sure. you know. And the other thing is, I always feel as well with in-house, you might not always get them on their A-game because they're going to have a shit Wednesday mm. one time. They're going to be hungover one time. I think, and I'm saying this as an agency person, but I think when you hire agencies, you tend to pay for most of the time the the output I think the biggest the, the biggest thing that we we're, we're seeing was consistency yeah. so if if the person in, in that position would hire in copywriter a graphic designer b etc mm. the whole process although although it could you know would normally be be done via a centralized brief yeah. be disjointed and they'd be working on different time scales mm -hmm. and potentially even different time zones depending on where they'd outsource True. it to so what we've what we kind of came across albeit accidentally as yeah. I think all of my business have been completely <laughs> accidental, um, was that there was a real opportunity to offer a service to these restaurants where we would have a fully um, circular model where mm. we would essentially, rather than via the recruitment company, finding them someone on a big salary that mm. would then in turn outsource for more money to these other companies, we would do it ourselves as an agency. And what we then ensure, we would then hire in our own copywriters, our own graphic designers, yeah. and set up an agency specific to the industry mm -hmm. that understood both the industry itself and marketing as yeah. we'd grown up with it. You know, we'd had the club nights, we'd had the nightclubs, we'd built those off, off the back of, yeah. you know, the emerging kind of social media and, and, and you know, new marketing trends. And that's, and that's real stuff. You know, it's real street fighting marketing, the sharp end. And so many, you know, marketers just across all industries they maybe hide behind the agency or the big above the line campaign or the but they, they're not willing to go out and fight for every single mm. sale. And I think when I was at U Sushi, you know, Robin uh Roland over there, he used to talk about armchair marketing. But he would say to me, like, you know, look son, how much how much sushi are you going to sell for that poster or that and it just turns your mind to yep. as you say physically fighting for every sale and going out and hooking people in and, and getting them into your club you or your a, restaurant. you have a different perspective on the on the importance of the money attributed to campaigns when yeah. you've come from a background of it being your own business. Yeah. So I'd come from it being my own nightclub. So every, mm. every you know, flyer run that we printed and we spent 40 quid on. Yeah. Now, you've got to quantify the, the, the ROI on, on, on that activity. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you're necessarily something in-house that's been given a budget, you tend to spend the budget. Yeah, yeah. You tend to also spend the budget on things that are deemed worthy of doing mm. so. So if you're hired in and you've got someone above you who, you know, who's come from a marketing agency background or has been doing the job for years mm -hmm. and you start talking about, you know, Instagram story ads. Yeah. It's a, it's a scary kind of place to be, and yeah. it, you know if you, if you get it wrong, it's very easy to point the finger. Whereas yeah. if you if you don't necessarily perform against I don't know more kind of classic activity like flyer drops or mm. you know or kind of events uh, where you invite people in to see the the building or whatever, yeah, it's you know it's less risky. Yeah, even though you may know that the uh, the Instagram story ad will outperform. Yeah, you know the, those activities. It's difficult to do so when you're in the role. Yeah, whereas as an agency, it's a little bit. 
you know, easier to live or die by your sword, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite interesting. Digital does seem to have more scrutiny than some of the other more classic channels. Absolutely. It's really bizarre how that's happening. And then I guess you've got a lot of people maybe not putting enough money into it. You know, so I'm getting a lot of emails at the moment through from, you know, people saying, do you know someone that does incredible social media content? And bear in mind, best practice now is, what, 100 posts a day, like Gary Vee's, you know, spouting about at the moment, across all your channels and da-da-da and all the rest of it. And, yeah, they're going, yeah, can you... Do you know anyone for about two grand a month? And you're like, just how? So there's a kind of, like giving it a harder time for measurement but not spending enough on it and then they'll just write it off go that didn't work then and there's, then just you know head off onto something else there's no kind of central agreed upon level mm. uh in regards to, to 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 kind of you know fees and payments for these things same with influencers yeah. exactly the same thing you know what is the norm well there it's isn't the a, west, there isn't a defined it? norm it's a complete yeah. wild west at the moment and that goes for content and it goes for everything and equally you know you've got people now starting these small independent social media agencies from their yeah. bedroom who are willing to do oh, I'll take on your social media mm. for 200 pounds a month for example yeah and it's like taking your car to to, a, to someone's house who's built a little you know garage a little mechanics in a garage yeah. or taking it to a full dealership yeah. um but yeah we we we, you know, we we started this agency and what essentially transpired was that you can't believe it or not work 20 hours a day drink every day and eat out every meal of every day and be healthy. Yep. Surprisingly, I didn't know that. But Tell me. I quickly learned, <laughs> quickly learned, learned yeah. the hard way. I, I got really bad burnout. Um, right. Made myself incredibly ill. Mm -hmm. And before this point, I was the least vegan person you could wish to meet. Mm -hmm. I would eat animal protein with every meal of every day. Yeah. Um, but in that downtime, I, I did some research and found that the consistencies across all diets were that an increase in fruits, vegetables, and natural foods, mm -hmm. a decrease in processed foods and a decrease in sugar mm -hmm. was healthy. I mean, mm -hmm. who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> um, but the thing that came out was plant-based. Yeah. So I gave it a go for a month, felt felt amazing from it. Um, how, then, how did you go about it, though? I mean, was it you just, you know, going to the shops, having to relearn so, everything? or what was Yeah, it? so I, I mean, I was... I was Whenever I want to know something, I'll, I'll, I'm, the, I'm the kind of person that will want to know every single yeah, thing there is obsessed. to know about it. I've become very obsessive with it. So I was hyper-analytical with it. I read all the studies, bought the books, um, and then kind of, right, I'm doing this for a month. I'm committed now. Mm -hmm. Did it for a month. Um, kind of realized what I could eat, what I couldn't eat. Felt, in, felt amazing from it. And then really deep-dived into what was going on. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into the environmental sustainability side of it, the ethical side of it was the last thing, but then that, that did get me eventually. I thought, wow, you know, th this is completely reframing my perspective on how, yeah. on, 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 on so many different topics. Yeah. And what it essentially led to was me feeling very contradictive in going to work and, you know, running a campaign for a steak restaurant. And then on the, oh. on outside of work, telling people they shouldn't be eating so much meat and dairy so was that giving you some conflict yeah, yeah for sure and issues. yeah and you know I, I'm very intuitive and I listened to my intuition and, and I, I felt really conflicted going to work how that played out was I decided to flip what I was doing and try and work purely with vegan and kind of sustainable brands there's not many about no and, and there you, was, that was early and there certainly wasn't three years ago yeah and there certainly isn't ones that are paying big retainers so it was a huge lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I, I did, a, did some bits of Wagamama on their vegan menu launch. Oh, and that was cool. an insight into 
just how quick you know that this movement was coming about and and the rise of veganism and vegan mm-hmm. food which kind of then inspired opening the first restaurant so it was kind of a bit of a journey from mm. you know from uh, becoming vegan to quickly then realizing that I felt conflicted in the work I was doing yep. stepping outside of that and you know trying to help these emerging brands that were purpose led mm-hmm. centered around the same topic that I'd come to really adopt and care about yeah and in turn recognizing the the growth potential in the industry and wanting to set up my own um, kind of bricks and mortar business again, yeah. which I'd sworn not to after the second <laughs> nightclub. But, you know, I see restaurants and food as much more of a an enjoyable, happy place for me than nightclubs for sure. But equally, yeah. I, I, I can directly correlate the impact of the daily operation of the business aligned with the mission the business has. Yeah. Um, so it's incredibly rewarding. And it's also a great, um, great arena to test how creative and, and how good... I might be at, yeah. uh, at what I do because it's 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 one thing to get people to come and eat out now, which is hard. Mm. Hospitality is difficult. Yeah. It's another thing to get people to go and eat eat something that goes against everything they've been taught growing up. Yeah. So yeah. It, I'm seeing that I'm seeing it as a challenge. It's great fun, <laughs> but it is still very challenging. Well, I think what's so interesting is you've sort of you've learned the marketing bit, and it feels like almost no matter what you then do, you can then take whatever your business is through that market and thinking. And I, I guess that was, a, you know, I was thinking a lot about the, the, the Vayner Media stuff and Gary Vee stuff and all the rest of it. You know, he's building up the, the Vayner stuff that eventually, you know, he'll be able to buy more companies and put it through the, the, the machine, you know. Um, yeah, the vegan sausage yeah. machine. Um, so, <laughs> um, so there'd be something like that. But so what was the first step then in, in getting the restaurant? I mean, were you scouting about loads? Was there a shitload of research? It was kind of accidental, to be completely mm. honest. And I'll come back to it briefly, but you're exactly right. What I've realised is that I've built a model, mm. and it was internalised initially, but now it's something that I've actually... I, I do consciously. And I have a model for how I, how I, how I work mm-hmm. that's come as a result of the experiences that I've had through... Everything from trying to get students in off, in off the street mm-hmm. to trying to get guys to spend £10,000 on a table. Wow. You know, there, there, there's, there's been so many opportunities to learn yeah. through the different, you know, businesses and, and, and stuff that I've had that I've got to kind of formulate this model that is applicable to all. Mm. Um, so it's essentially any business is, is, a, is a creative solution to a problem. Any business is solving a problem. Mm. Um what the business has to seek to do is to, to solve it in a creative way. Mm-hmm. It has to be win, win, win. So all the key stakeholders have to win in the process yep. and it has to run at a profit in order for it to continue its story. If you deep dive into the, into the problem, you then identify the problem that the person has and what you do. Mm-hmm. If you can look at the interest that person has that has the same problem and what your business does, you can come to some intersection where they cross over and that's where you position your content. Yeah. And in doing so, um, you're able to tap into that individual and offer them value attached to what you do. And if you keep in mind the principle of ensuring that it's Mm win-win-win, meaning that all stakeholders, uh, suppliers, customers, employees, etc., all all win, and you can do so at a profit, you allow your business to continue. In terms of the the restaurant in Norwich, I was was half looking, half not. Mm -hmm. I'd found a place in London um, that fell through at the last minute. I was going back there. Can to you my, see where that was? Where it was in Shoreditch High Street. Oh, yeah. I, I came up with a, with a brand called No Beef. 
four years ago. It was going to be burgers, vegan burgers. And the idea was they were all going to be, basically I was going to, again, looking at the intersection of my customer's interests yeah, yeah. and what we did, I was like, cool. Shoreditch right now, a huge up and coming UK grime music scene, hip hop mm. scene. Um, it's very street art, street art culture, street fashion led. Mm -hmm. So let me create something that feeds into those topics that yeah. also has the, the vegan food. So no beef um, was a going to be a vegan burger restaurant. The burgers kind of play on names of like rappers, like ASAP Gwoki, Notorious yeah, VIG, yeah. this nice, kind of like nice. thing, talking points. And then essentially it would be also be a media company. So we'd yeah. have DJs, we'd have live events there and it would, it would kind of transcend just being food. Yeah. Um, it fell through at the last minute. Um, it, did, it didn't work out, Yeah. but it made me actively go out and look for sites. Didn't really find anything in London that was in budget after mm. that. Went back to Norwich one day, came across this amazing, uh, listed building in the city centre that had a fillet sign in the window that I'd never seen before. Went for a look round, um, put a ridiculous offer on, which was way below what they were asking, thinking they would never approve it. Mm -hmm. And they did. Wow. And it'd been empty for 18 months. It was in a state of disrepair near enough, so it needed a lot of work doing to it. But I could see it in its finished form. I could yeah. see what it was. Um, the way I work is I kind of... I get to see the space first mm -hmm. and then I create based on the space yep. as opposed to creating brand and trying to find a space for that brand. Yeah. I think that's a better way to work. For me, that, that works better. Yeah. So the original building name was Erpingham House. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of history with the Erpingham family who who are you know, a relatively well-known family historically in mm -hmm. Norwich. A uh, 130-year-old building was originally their home and I f wanted to create a brand that brought the building back to life that was a, more of a community-based based uh, kind of project yeah, yeah. that happened to be vegan yeah the purpose being that i wanted to normalize veganism yeah i wanted to make a space where people could come and eat you know healthy sustainable food yeah. without feeling like they had to be vegan to dine there yeah um and in doing so if i could bring the building back to life mm -hmm. and you know help the local area in doing so then that was that, that was kind of a, a great offshoot and so what about food development and you know did you have any of those skills the chef inside of things that you know where did you even start with that drink selection blah 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 blah. Well, it's definitely something that i've learned the hard way is yeah. that um i went into it purely as a marketer mm. so I'm like, i know that i can build a narrative around this business i know that my purpose is i know the problem i'm trying to solve i know how i make it win-win for everyone mm. i know how i how i build a brand here the food is so important to the offering the food and drink, obviously the product is is, is super important um, it almost needs to be better. Yeah, yeah, than, yeah. Of course, you know, you need, mainstream you need both, you stuff. Know. And the thing that I found in, in working from an agency side is you can you can get people to go and eat at a restaurant mm. if the product's crap. You can't get them to go back. Yeah. It's very difficult. So the two have to work hand in hand. Mm. You know, the marketing has to be bang on to get people to come in the door, yeah. but ultimately the product has to be good enough to facilitate those people returning. And then obviously the two work hand in yeah. hand. Um, so yeah, we we got a chef to like the menu. Where did you find the chef? Locally, okay. Locally, yeah, we, we we put adverts out and we you know we worked hard to develop the, the menu and mm -hmm. I kind of understood that I wanted it to be plant based, I wanted it to be healthy, mm -hmm. but equally be you know appetizing and delicious, but it had to be had to be health focused. Yep. Um, there was a, there's another vegan restaurant in the city that's okay. more junk food, right? But I wanted it to be the health focused kind of eatery. I wanted people to experience the the, the increase in energy that I felt from, mm -hmm. from eating there. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the the food the food side of things. Um, I'd done my research as well. In that year, I'd been to LA twice. I'd been to New York twice. They're kind of the hubs 
for me and where the best vegan food in the world is is New York and LA what are you, what were you seeing out there then that made you go wow, um, like... so from from the UK's food scene it's very junk food led mm. it's very junk food led and it's very imitation junk food so we're trying to create burgers hot dogs etc and there is an element of that in 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 the US but mm. what i was finding more there was that veganism had been a thing for longer certainly in terms of having mainstream mm. interest so in LA people would say yeah let's go for vegan who aren't vegan in the same way they'd go and say let's go for sushi yeah. it was kind of a thing you know yeah. um, lots of Mexican influence there naturally um, I lived in Mexico prior so that was, okay. that sat really well with yeah, me yeah. Um, very colourful very like very colourful um, plant based food lots yeah. of creative uses of, of vegetables pulses grains legumes beans etc yeah. certainly more than I'd seen here yeah um so the objective really for me was to try and if i'm going to create something i don't want to create something that's already been created i want to kind of create something yeah. new i don't just want to kind of bastardize something i've seen elsewhere well it's dead easy to you know get the imitation meat products yeah. that then would just kind of work and you know so that's good and there's that certainly you, a place for that, that. Yeah. there's certainly a place for and i see it with, with erpingham house now you know you'll have maybe the girlfriend being bring her boyfriend who doesn't want to be there yeah. she'll order you know a, uh one of the one of the salads or one of the more creative dishes and he'll get the burger yeah, yeah. which is great i want to i want to be able to you know people feel comfortable when they come and it's being recognizable food is key yeah. but it can be recognizable food and still be healthy and made essentially from yeah. plants and what what are you using for your patties on your so uh, we work with a company burgers? called moving mountains you move the mountains okay yeah, well, yeah. and I've, I've i've known those guys since they started yeah it's a good i product. went to their first event it's a great product yeah. uh simeon the founders uh, he's he's purpose he's purpose mission driven i love what he's the reason he's doing it for mm -hmm um he's, he's a good guy and, and it's a great product and we're kind of on i feel like we're on the journey with them we're testing their new stuff as it comes great. out and it's, it's a great relationship yeah nice so anything from new york so if everyone's going for a vegan um in la was there any other things in new york you found i'll tell you what i came surprising? across i came across a sushi restaurant called beyond sushi okay and the way they'd manipulated certain uh chickpeas and other kind of food groups to replicate fish was incredible so we've been playing around with that a little bit as well. Um, very, very good. Um, and obviously I went to New York on the RMI scholarship sure. as well. So that was really interesting too. Yeah, yeah. So um, for anyone that doesn't know, there's the Restaurant Marketer and Innovator, Innovator yeah. show. Uh, so James Haken and, and Paul Charity run that and, you know, been lucky enough to speak at it a couple of times and, and the rest of it. And then, yeah, they did this wonderful scholarship thing, which you sort of won or were picked or whatever you want to term it. And so what ha What was the deal with that? What happened? Well, do you know, I, I must admit, and I, I hope James and Paul don't take offence to this, but they I... can always cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I, I, I guess a colleague of mine entered me for the 30 under 30 yes. RMI, um, which I was listed in, which I thought was great. Yep. You know, went to the award, awards evening for that. And it was, you know, a real hotbed of talent there. You know, people from these big brands in, in big London hotel groups who had done, ran incredible campaigns over the mm. last 12 months. Um, Gabby was in there as well from... Yeah. We'll yeah. Well. yeah. So, there were, so there was, you know, there was some great people in the list and what they'd said is they were going to make a short list of five people to win the Restaurant Marketer of the Year, mm -hmm. future Restaurant Marketer of the Year, sorry, out yeah. of the 30 under 30s. Um, I was listed in the five, which I, you know, I thought was, I thought was amazing, yeah. but I certainly didn't expect to win it. And because I didn't expect to win it, I didn't fully look at what the prize was. <laughs> okay. So uh, I think you were on my table on the, yeah, yeah, we were on the same table. table. Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of sat there not expecting to win. Yeah. 
And he started reading out the... You like, expecting a bottle person. of champagne or something? Yeah, I thought it'd be nice to be listed in the final five, but I certainly didn't expect to win. And uh, they, yeah, they, they they read out the kind of the, the bio of the person that won. I thought, that sounds a lot like me. It's I mean, me, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was a real shock, but don't get me wrong, a, a huge privilege, and mm. I'm incredibly grateful for to be selected, yeah. of course. Um, but the scholarship was uh, a trip to the US. It was mm. the initial part of the trip was South by Southwest, which, for those who don't know, is a kind of a a multifaceted conference that covers media, gaming, sports, music, etc. But lots of great talks there. And well, basically, marketers have ruined a really good music festival. That's, a That's great basically way of what's it. happened. As we ruin everything, <laughs> yes. but yeah. Um, and then the second happened. part of the trip was to go to New York. Great. Um, and to visit um, Union Square Group, um, who obviously owns Shake Shack and a number of other restaurants in a Union, yeah. Union Square cafe, etc. Um, and a few other meetings with, with different people that had been lined up from marketing, hospitality backgrounds. Wow. So the trip, I mean, trip of a lifetime, right? What, um, what were they saying to you? I mean, how were you even preparing for them? I mean, what happened? Well, I mean, well, I mean I, it started by going to South by Southwest, uh-huh. um, which, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, I got the app on my phone. It was like, right what do I want to go and look at? What do I want to go, which talks and panels do I want to go and see? And there was too many to even choose from. So I kind of planned out this day where I was getting there in the morning, leaving at night and going to these incredible talks. There was, they're talking about the futures of influencers. Um, There was a whole stage and setup around plant-based proteins, which is obviously incredibly interesting interesting. based on being in the, you know, vegan, uh, vegan industry. Um, there was panel t- discussions on on you know uses of of social media for marketing and for hospitality and it was mm. it was incredible it was really really there was you could find stuff that was incredibly relevant yeah, yeah. um so took lots from that made loads of notes um you know connected with some some really cool people um went to New York um what got to go to Union Square Group and um, was talking to them and yeah some amazing insights and in- incredible to kind of. I think the way Americans do hospitality is different to us. Mm. I think there's there's some great kind of uh, there is some obviously some some crossovers and some synergies, but yeah. they've got a real. I really like their approach oh, yeah. and the, the the depth of knowledge they have on their guests mm. and the kind of the get creating the guest experience and individualizing that. I think was incredible. Yeah. You know, listening to, to to the information they have available to them on their guests and then how they how they interpret and act upon that information was, 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 was amazing. Certainly something that yeah. I was able to take away and look at. But, what, we, but again, we would have that if we only did it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was, I was with a wee um, independent uh, restaurant in, in Brighton the other day. And I was helping out with some brand stuff and that, that was what they were really into. And they were saying like, they just are obsessed and meticulous about every single note that goes down about the person they had this they liked that wine they loved this that you know and they said we're obsessed about it and i think that's the beauty of them feeling that way but also there's three of them as owner operators that are two of them are always on so if you get bigger and you've got staff and it can it's it, fall it's, away it's, it, the difficulty comes in, in the scalability Scale. right it's very it's, it's easier to, yeah. to to adopt and and execute against these things yeah. when you're a small independent and it's a lifestyle business yeah when you're there i think the minute you try and scale it it, yeah. it presents its own problems yeah. but it certainly it's something that you can you can kind of do without the tech and you can even do it in a in a kind of broader sense where the the the, the biggest change i've made at Erpingham is mm. to make the menus more customizable. Okay. So one of the things that I realized was that people were coming in and there's 
we used a lot of ingredients people wouldn't necessarily had before. I mean, I used to call quinoa quinoa. Yeah. I had no idea what it was, you know, as many people still do. <laughs> um, acai, you know, like, well, what is it? Yeah. So where we have dishes with a number of components. Is it acai? Acai, yeah. Acai, I think I would have said. There you go. You okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess yeah, it I did as well. yeah. okay, the new. <laughs> but yeah. what we found was that where, where there was a number of components, people didn't necessarily know what they were yeah. or they or. Or on the flip side, people come and eat with us because they do have specific dietary requirements yeah. and we tend to tick a lot of the boxes for them. Yeah. Um, don't really use much gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously there's no fish, meat, dairy, eggs, yeah. etc. So we're, we're a safe bet for a lot of allergens. But mm-hmm. what we found was that people were often asking for this without this or this not cooked in this. So we decided to, to change, we start with the lunch menu and yeah. make this, all the Buddha bowls and the salads fully customizable. Brilliant. So choose two of these, three of these, two of these, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's been the best seller by far, wow. giving people the freedom to, to create almost their own meal based on their preferences mm. and, 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 their, and their kind of individual requirements. Yeah. So even without having necessarily having that data on each individual, yeah. there's a much more scalable route to kind of facilitating people to make their own individual choices. Yeah. It's by simply the way that you curate the menu. Well, it's huge. I mean, I, I worked at Bartley Card for my sins um, a few years back when I was a wee boy, and I was out in America quite a bit, so it was Delaware. And, you know, I'd get sent across the road to, you know, get everyone's lunch or whatever if I was there. So uh, it was chopped, but it was not chopped as we know it. It's uh, with a T on the end, you know. And uh, when I, and I'd see the list of stuff you had. I want this and hold the carrots and do this and do that and do that, you know. But actually, it is the way it's all going. You know, people yeah. just want what they want and, you know, they're becoming so more unique and personalised as people anyway in thoughts and views and but what they're what they're putting into their body. They, they, they know what they want, you know, people. We, we definitely know what we want more and we definitely have more external influence to, to enable us to inform our, our decisions. Yeah. And in, in turn, it also means that we tend to expect a little bit more. Yeah. You know, what now, you know, the, in I've got diners in Norwich that 20, 30 years ago may have eaten in a, in four, five other cities in the world, perhaps, mm. when they're on holiday, when yeah. they're away for business. So their basis for comparison was extremely limited. Mm. Now with the internet, with Pinterest, with Instagram, you, know, you can pay your local cafe to the best cafes in the world. Mm. So you almost have to up, you, up your game to be able to compete because you're competing with the way people perceive your offering yeah. against such a vast landscape uh, of, of competitors that aren't yeah. necessarily even direct competitors anymore. Um, so it's, it's an interesting time to be, be playing the game, for yeah. sure. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Well, as we've touched on it, let's not go so linear and let's talk about the gram and all that stuff. Um, So Instagram, things being Instagrammable, 
on plates, uh, the room, the environment, grammable areas, um, influencers. Let's maybe chat a wee bit about that. And I mean, boy, are you hot on it. You know, you're doing really well on it, and for sure. So, yeah, what's all the views on that stuff? Because I saw you spouting on LinkedIn maybe the other day. About <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday. Sort of like yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think where I've had, I've delivered talks on this kind of thing and I've had limited time to really deep dive into it. I presented a a, a base opinion. Mm. Um, I feel that I'm I'm obligated to maybe explain it a little bit deeper. And it's not as simple as simply making something Instagrammable. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm seeing more and more of is people simply creating offerings purely because they'll uh they would encourage photographs which would be placed online which would in turn give them exposure yeah but it's a, it's a lot more to it than that and yeah. i think the i think the, the key word is authenticity okay it's not as simple as going on going on pinterest putting a quote that sounds nice slapping it on the wall and hoping people will take pictures of it mm-hmm. how does that quote relate back to your brand and what your restaurant stands for and why your business mm-hmm. exists and why it's there and why customers will come to you and what they're interested in it it, it, need, it is a lot more depth to it that being said when you do fully understand that process mm-hmm. it's one of the most powerful tools to the extent that i'm fully aware that we have guests come to come to the restaurant and their main driver for them visiting us is that they can take a picture to get that shot to get that shot, shot of the plate shot of the place shot of the sign it can, it can be a number of things you know when you're looking at when you if you're looking purely um uh uh creating uh, uh generating um user-generated content mm-hmm. you want people to take pictures and videos and whatever else yeah. it can be the way the food is served the process of the waitress bringing it over is there a certain way she comes over is it the way it's the food's plated on the plate is it the um is it the aesthetic of the walls is the aesthetic of the cutlery is it the crockery is it the way that the you know is it the way that the flies are set up by the door is there mm. something in the window like there's a huge plethora of, mm. of 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 kind of activations that you can do to encourage people to take photos but ultimately it's about reverse engineering the reason you're doing it in the first place and what message you're trying to send out so for us it's like right the whole reason that erpingham house exists is because we want to normalize Mm. plant-based eating we want people to consider the impact of their buying choices on the environment and we want to highlight like how beautiful the planet is right we Mm. want to we want to talk about these are the things we want to talk about we want people to take care of and take notes on what they're doing the way that we, the way that we um, understand that that message is going to be put out to the world is via our customers. Mm-hmm. Our collective customers have a bigger reach than us as an individual brand. Mm-hmm. How can we get them to share that message in such a way where they win in the sense that they get a lovely picture for their Instagram page? Yeah. We win because they're showing our restaurant off, mm. but also our message that we believe is important to the world is also portrayed. Yeah. So the quote on the wall, for example, being around about nature, mm. there's a quote on the wall that says vodka is vegan. The idea being that, you know, we're yeah. normalizing vodka and we're getting over that point of it's, you know, just for yeah, hippies yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we have a, a tree counter mm. where we count how many trees are planted with carbon-free dining mm-hmm. with Richard. And we have a giant tree in the middle of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And all of these are kind of like subliminal, almost almost to a degree, subconscious messages yeah. that relate back to our core brand identity, mm-hmm. but at the same time allow for people to get a great shot and share their experience. Because where the way that we're using social media now is about sharing experience, showing other people what we're doing, yeah. documenting our lives, basically. And we want to document the best things. Mm-hmm. The better the, the picture we can get, yeah. the better we're documenting, yeah, yeah. the better life that we're, we're portraying, right? Yeah. So it's about almost like hacking 
the knowledge that people are behaving in that way mm-hmm. to help our brand and help help achieve our purpose. So who decides if it's Instagrammable or not at the outset? Is that a you sort of creative director for that sort of thinking, or is there other people within the business that? So help you? I guess for me, we have an I'd interior designer that uh-huh. helped build the, help build the restaurant. And for me, it was about, look, let's create a space that, first and foremost, it has to be a comfortable, attractive, mm-hmm. inspiring space for people to sit in, yeah. first and foremost. Secondly, is it a space that people are, uh, that, that on that basis would promote people to take a picture of it, share it, take a video, mm-hmm. and want to spend time here? Ultimately, that, that, that's the objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and at, at the same time, um, it's recognising that there's, as I said before, access to the internet pinterest instagram you can look at places all over the world so it has to have be uniquely yours and uniquely relatable to your business um it's very easy to copy a quote you've seen in a different restaurant or a different bar somewhere Mm -hmm. else but with the internet now you know it's it's easy to also be exposed if you're doing that so vodka is vegan came from your brains or you were inspired by it somewhere yeah we, we 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 um i kind of heard someone say it once and I saw it online and I thought, that's really a funny way to almost like... For, it's pretty spiky. It's, it's spiky, good. right? Yeah, but it's yeah, funny. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, like, yeah. like, like oh yeah, but vodka's vegan, so it's fine. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like quite playful. Yeah, and it, yeah. it kind of like, I think what you have to consider as well is when you say to someone you're vegan, yeah. if the other person isn't vegan, it can get their back up because they might feel like they're judging you. Yeah. So by just saying to them that vodka's vegan, yeah, yeah. it's almost like it's like kind of diffusing. You like, it's diffusing I any like animosity. Well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of could foresee that a daughter may want to choose to go there for her birthday, and mm. her parents aren't vegan. Yeah. If you suddenly got, you know, if you're suddenly making it feel like a very intense atmosphere, and anyone that isn't vegan isn't welcome, they're not going to feel like they want to come back. Yeah. Whereas if you know you make it quite playful. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you you open up the potential for them. Well, to I, I'm only, do you know what? It's actually very personal that I'm, I'm asking this. I've, I've actually got a project on the go at the moment. That we're, we're actually looking at neon signs for, for the inside. But it is quite interesting, I think, that you've said that because there are some brands out there that have got very grammable neon. You know, it's great phrases and all the rest of it. But how does it really link back to their brand? Um, so it's almost like brands having charities. You know, you see that a lot of the time. Brands have got you know charities. It's maybe NSPCC or something. No disrespect to them. Do a great thing. All the rest of it. But you do sit and think, why that? Why? You know, would you not take what your purpose, your mission, your belief, your, and just try and link it a little bit more to doing something good? But then it's consistent, right? It makes sense. Same as California me. Kitchen. Like the neon yeah. in California Kitchen is healthier, sexy. Yeah, the whole the whole uh, the California Kitchen shares a similar purpose for Eppingham House, but the, the slight point of difference being that we want to popularise healthy food yeah. and want it to be cool. Well, I think it's so neat that you've got that uh, you know higher level premium you know dining out experience, and then you've got that more you know quick yeah you know pop in you know sort of everyday sort of offer. How many California kitchens? So there's Percy Street uh-huh. in Fitzrovia, and there's Fulham uh, Market Hall, right? Um, which is a pop-up but full at Market Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it for the summer. Um, been good? Yeah, it's been good. It's, yeah. been fun, it's, been fun, it's been fun to do for sure. It's, it's slightly different for us because it's literally, we're sharing a kind of a, a food hall space with other vendors. Mm-hmm. We're the only vegan offering there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a huge amount of vegan food available in Fulham. So it's been interesting to see kind of what the feedback's been. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I did the first four or five days there. Um, 
on the, on the counter just so I could see kind of what the reaction what would be and on. what was going on. It was good. It's good fun. That's cool. And yeah, yeah I mean, you're very close to where we're recording right yeah. now. Um, and also, there's an amazing trainer shop ne- next door to you. Almost the, the crepe place. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I've walked past it. It's often. like four grand for a trainer. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's really cool. So California Kitchen. I mean, idea on that and and all the rest of it. Was it just to to have that sort of flexibility and sort of portfolio style business? Sort of. I mean, it goes again. It goes back to mission. I mean, up until. I went vegan to be honest the whole reason I was in business was to have fun and make as much money as possible mm. that was my mission I was like, if someone asked me four or five years ago what's my what's your mission I'm like mm. I want to make loads of money mm. I want to have loads of fun it was very um, selfish I suppose in a way it's one way of putting it's, it it's natural say, yeah it's natural but, but yeah it, it, was, it was very much about me at least you added the fun bit right there's a lot of people in yeah. business just to make a shitload yeah. of money and yeah, yeah. make it, other people unhappy it was yeah exactly it was about me and then through going vegan, I guess it was kind of the catalyst for me understanding the the impact that my choices might be having on other people, yeah, and on on the world. And I was like, well, I remember reading something. It was like, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. What do you want to be? What do you want people to say about you? And it's mm. like, well, what do you? Well, this is what the mission is now. It's like I I, I want to I want to inspire people to eat healthier, mm-hmm. but equally care about the planet that we all share. And this is the thing. It's like the the, the, the mission is to allow for as many people to discover plant-based foods as possible yeah, and choose a more sustainable way of living. When will you know food. that's happened then? What's, what's the won't. KPI? I, what's the measurement? There isn't. And this is the thing. It's we can like, work on it. We can spitball it now. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, the thing, well, I guess I, I've set goals and targets yeah. related to it. How many people can I feed in a year is a yeah. really easy one. Um, but the, the, I think the reason it has to be a goal and a mission, because it's a lifetime thing. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not, it's not something that I'm going to achieve. Yeah. So um, the, the, the mission is to popularize vegan food and in turn help people be healthier and more sustainable yeah the way i want to achieve that is through restaurants and through mm-hmm. food and um, every time somebody comes to my restaurant and the majority of people that eat at my restaurants by the way aren't vegan mm-hmm. um every time somebody comes to eat at the restaurant they're choosing a plant-based meal yeah. as opposed to a meal that contains animal products so they're, they're being flexy and, yeah. and yeah yeah but through one restaurant that might be 50,000 people a year yeah. through two restaurants it's 100,000 so it's just a then it's just a scalability thing right um, and ultimately, I, the way the only way I'm going to achieve that is by opening more restaurants. Yeah. So London came about because I'd had an idea a few years ago for this. I, I create brands, by the, by the way, all the time. Yeah. I just say I make the logo. I write out how it might give you a shout if I'm stuck. Yeah. I, I, I've got like three or four in the back burner yeah. right now that are ready to go. Have, but, you, got, um, have you got a wee pizza brand that I can buy off you? Yeah. Actually, I've got a pizza oh, yeah, brand. Got... Yeah, actually, launched, uh, yeah, we've actually got a pizza brand as well. Um, but. Um, but yeah, so I had this idea of California Kitchen a few yeah. years ago. I like the Kiki thing as well. Like it just it's, yeah, it's yeah, cool. Like it's cool. Yeah, we, it's cool. we I I did did all the branding, did all the kind of the concept, made like a little brand book, put it all together, and just sat on it. And I I was telling someone about it, and then we happened to have a further conversation. They're in property. They had a building mm-hmm. where where California Kitchen is. Um, we discussed it. I looked around the building. I thought oh, I could do this. And then one thing led to another, and uh, yeah, yeah. California Kitchen was born as well. Um, you're just so bang on, and I don't mean it to be patronised or bad, but you're just so bang on trend ahead of it, actually. Um, the neon, the squiggly, right, and the millennial pink, the it's just absolute jackpot when you look it around has, it. It can't be promoted. This And this is the thing with both restaurants, and I think historically, veganism's growing 
Mm. Don't, don't, there's no doubt about it. But there's by there's nowhere near enough people that are fully vegan mm. to support a vegan restaurant yeah. in central London, let alone Norwich. Mm. So my market isn't vegans. Yeah. My market. So it can't just be vegans. Therefore, I can't promote in such a way that I communicate only to vegans. Yeah. It has to. It has to be something more than that. Yeah. So Norwich was based on um, building a community narrative. So I involved customers in the process during mm-hmm. the build phase. I was in, on Instagram Story, Instagram Live, building it. People were following along. You know, we talked about historical context of the building. Yeah. Talked about the health implications, the sustainability implications, and it happens to be vegan. Yeah. And of course, it looks like a restaurant that people will want to go and eat regardless. Yeah. California Kitchen is, is the same, you know. We're in central London, but it doesn't mean that veganism has transcended into mainstream, huge, total mainstream adoption. It's still a kind of a fringe movement, which yeah. has negative connotations as well. You know, sure. people talk about preachy vegans, and I've probably been All one of them at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, right, okay, it's good. it has to be vegan, obviously, but how can we appeal to people that aren't vegan mm-hmm. and entice them to come, come here and try the food and, you know, adopt a more sustainable uh, meal choice on this occasion mm-hmm. but not feel like they're conf- conforming to the stereotype that sits with that yep. let, let, let's sell it something like, let's sell it let's sell it down the health route but then let's make it look incredibly inspiring let's go for the really healthy pink californian colors yeah. california's aspirational you grow up and all the movies are in california and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing right it's we've got this kind of inherent uh, inbuilt um impression of what california is yeah let's flip that and do it k so k yeah. for california yeah. let's make it let's let's bring that vibe in the way that it looks and the way the food is presented mm-hmm. and it happens to be vegan so almost getting people to eat there they don't even know it's vegan till they're finished yeah so for me it's like you know that that's helping us achieve purpose through being on trend yeah. don't get me wrong we may have to f- flip the interior from in club oh, land yeah, in, cl- yeah, in club land evolving, you flip it every four you know? years but you have to be open to evolving. But you're yeah. at the best starting point, though. And, you know, that's going to last for a while, you know. But, you know, but you're savvy enough to keep... What most brands would have done is they would just have stuck there. And then in 10 years' time, they'd be wondering why they were closing it. You know I'm, what I'm, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm super fluid. It's like yeah. with, with Worthingham House, it's like we, we tried to do Deliveroo, and it didn't work. And yeah. the reason it didn't work is because the food that we produce um, isn't great. I... I want to guarantee the quality and I can't. So if I put in a, you know, a quite a wet dish mm-hmm. and it has to travel 20 minutes, I can't guarantee it's going to be good. And if that's that per- person's first experience of my brand, yeah. it sets it off on a bad, on, yeah. a, on a bad start. So what we did is we create, I created a sub brand with the food that I'd seen worked well locally. What did you call it? Vegan doco, okay. vegan pizza. Um, we created a, a line of pizzas which use similar ingredients to the restaurant mm-hmm. um, we put on a few sides and desserts and stuff went on delivery and just eat yeah. and it's flying yeah, I bet. Um, you know the last two weeks it's been uh, close to 25% of our revenue has come from yeah. come from delivery um, it means we're in the delivery game I think that's a huge growth market and it will continue to grow um, we're one of the uh, we're the only fully vegan offering on delivery in Norwich um, and we're f- pizzas we know travel well yeah, you can yeah. have a pizza in a box for 20 minutes and it'll get to you and it'll be in pretty good nick yeah you know or wet pasta based dish probably not so much yeah the one i always and it's <laughs> every time i fall for it but i really love vagamama right so i'd get the oh, me too. i get the chili chicken ramen and 
I just like if I'm at a hotel or something, you know, and it comes, it's just like all the noodles have yeah, soaked up yeah, the soup. Yeah. You're like, I've done it again. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. You know, but I always get yeah, <laughs> stupid. So there was a couple of other things as well um, just before we head off. So I was just thinking about just anything else on influencers, how to deal with them, what they're looking for, how to get sure. the best out of them. Any tips for people sure, on that would yeah, be really de- handy. Definitely. So I think there's, I think influencers being a buzzword, we know they, we know it, we know it works. Mm-hmm. We know it can work. Can we know that um, in terms of bang for your buck, it's a pretty good route to go down if you, mm. in terms of um, get, getting good retur- return on investment for, for marketing activity. One thing I would say is, first, understand the campaign, the specifics of the campaign. So, for example, if I was to launch a brunch campaign for the restaurant, it wouldn't necessarily... The, the metrics that I would use to gauge whether an influencer was relevant... Mm wouldn't be as simple as how many followers have they got. Sure. What I'd be looking at is the kind of content they produce. Mm-hmm. Is it, does it align with my, what, what I'm trying to achieve and, and my brand? Um, their followers and their niche. It may be way more impactful for me to have someone come in with 6,000 followers whose Instagram um, page is brunch in London yeah. than a Love Island contestant with a million followers. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so it's about curate the, re- the relevant influencers mm-hmm. who produce content specific to the campaign and your brand that have a engaged, relevant following. Second, it's ensuring that the um, when they come in, before, during, and after they come in, mm-hmm. you're very specific as to the requirements that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's not about telling them what to write because mm-hmm. you want them to do so in their own voice yeah. and their tonality that they know what works with their audience. But you want to essentially set the precedent for what you expect from them. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're going to do this campaign on Monday. On the Sunday, it'd be great to get free story posts of you talking about this, and this is the key hashtag I want you to yeah. use. Um, on the day, what I'd love for when you come in to film you arriving, I'd love mm-hmm. for you to, to say this, this, and this. When you're there, we'd really love to get eight images. Mm-hmm. These are the dishes. These are the prices. This is when they're available. Please mm-hmm. include this. And afterwards, could you please send me a screenshot of your insights on your story so we can see how many people clicked and viewed, yeah. etc. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I see... One of, one of the, the most painful things for me to see as a marketer is that we'll, we'll engage with an influencer, they'll come in for a free meal, they'll post it, and they'll get 90 comments. And those 90 comments are left. Mm. They're 90 opportunities to yeah. engage new customers. And if you want to do so and you want to measure the ROI, inbox each individual uh, person that's commented from the yeah. brand page and offer them a redeemable unique redeemable code or offer mm-hmm. that you can then track where how when and where the offers used yeah. then you can quantify how effective an influencer has been for you yeah. and it's been really surprising for me because i've worked with influencers with two thousand micro influencers two thousand followers yeah who i've done that with and i've had seven or eight people book mm. and i might have worked with someone with a hundred thousand followers and i've got lots of likes yeah. but it's a vanity metric yeah. i've not had anyone book necessarily off the back of it yeah so i i would say that the first thing is kind of really work out the process yeah uh, and and attention to detail is important mm-hmm. um but in doing so obviously analyze the information and then use that going forwards yeah. another thing that i'm seeing to be really effective is to once you have people that you know are effective for you is to use them almost like ambassadors right it's a long incre- term relationship. relationship yeah. yeah why i mean look you know you go to the struggle of getting in touch with this person yeah. and, and building an initial relationship yeah. to have them come in and eat once yeah it's crazy you know every time you launch something that can be part of your plan yeah. this month we're doing this right i've yeah. got a core team of 15 influencers that yeah. i use 
bring them in. You mm. know, they know how you work. They know your brand. Yeah. You know how they work. Yeah. You know that they, that they, they, there's a benefit to using them. So it's a great way to look at it. So yeah. I'd look at it more of an ongoing relationship as purely yeah. one-off type Not thing. Not a one-night stand. Yeah, exactly. All right. So last couple of things in future, what's going on? There's going to be another restaurant uh-huh. soon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is that it? Um, <laughs> no. So um, when this goes to air, uh-huh. um, we will have announced the crowdfund, our first crowdfund. Exciting. For Erpingham House. We're going to open in Brighton. <gasps> yes. We're going to open in Brighton. Oh, nice one. Um, the reason that Brighton was was chosen is one my one of my business partners lives there. Yeah, you mentioned um, before. Yeah, yeah. Ru- Russ Martin was playing for Norwich. Plays at MK Dons now, but he's from Brighton oh. originally. He's my, vegan. My mate Guy, his little boy, the goes boy's to his going, academy. Yes, yeah. So Russ is a uh, Russ is a great guy. He's a uh, he's um, played for Norwich for many years. He's he's vegan as well. He's Scottish though, right? He's a Scottish international. Uh, but yeah, he's from yeah, he's from yeah. Brighton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he one it was him saying to me, "Look, you need to come really look at the food oh, scene that's here." That's great. But secondly, because whilst there are a lot of vegan offerings in Brighton, many of them sit at one level of the market where mm. they're very casual. They're kind of like you know, pop in for lunch and yeah. in your flip flops or whatever. We're going for more of a refined offering. So again, in in the on the basis that we're seeking to kind of take veganism into the mainstream i want to have an we want to put an, an offering in there where people can dress up and go out for a nice dinner and it happened to be vegan oh brilliant so yeah we're, we're actively looking for sites at the moment there'll be another restaurant brighton's the next one um it will Got be called helping as you yes. think Great. yes um aside from that um for me personally i've started going back to the consultancy side of things uh-huh. um so i'm working with a couple of brands um they're essentially seeking to promote their products to a vegan audience uh-huh. without necessarily contradicting their core offering, which maybe still uses animal products, yeah. or new vegan products coming to market mm-hmm. that are looking to kind of hack that initial growth stage. Great. Um, so that's been fun. Mm. That's really enjoyable. And aside from that, sleep yeah. a little bit. Just I'm getting my eight hours in now, which has been... That was another thing we touched on. You had a wee uh, retreat digital detox yeah, thing you yeah. did as well that's a, a, yeah big supporter of that yeah so um, one of the things I've been kind of championing on LinkedIn recently is this taking care of the driver as much as you take care of the vehicle yes. um, in the in the you know the last 18 months open free restaurants um, which has been not only kind of incre- incredibly physically demanding but the stress has been insane sure. you know there's now 50 I've got another business as well which is a, football, a kids football thing but 56 staff across four businesses essentially mm. managing those people and you know their needs and you know yeah. it's, it, as a startup you don't always have all the cash in the world yeah the stress of that has been insane mm. and i've been unable to switch off you know it's cost me relationships friendships yeah. everything you know it's been yeah. it's been a tough time what i found is that i was so immersed in looking after the vehicle that i neglected myself as mm. the driver and you can have the you can have a Ferrari, but if the driver can't stand up, then it ain't going anywhere. Unless it's driverless. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, um, <laughs> just autopilot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so so I kind of thought, you know, how do I how do I really start yeah. taking care of myself? And one of the things I was going on a retreat, so yeah. I went on one for three days. Me, and my my friend, and I. I found it in- incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Disconnect from social media, disconnect from the technology in my phone and the responsibility of being answerable to so many people. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it's helped me to restructure my business so that I can delegate more responsibility to other people and those 
perspectives came from being in isolation. Yeah. From being away from it. I think when you use very easy sometimes to be so heavily in your business that oh, yeah. you're not able to really look at your business. Yeah. Um, so that, that was powerful. Yeah. Any, anyone that gets a chance to do it, I'd recommend it. Okay. Take two or three days out, go into nature, lose the phone. Yeah. Um, and really kind of spend time with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a really powerful thing to do. I'll let, we'll maybe see if we can get the notes from you, but sure. we'll, we'll, any details on it and what we'll, we can stick it in the podcast notes. Um, Right, last couple of things in, fun stuff. So, uh, we do this wee mark out of 10 at the end of the episode. So, best city to eat in. You've travelled a bit. Yeah, you I have. Score. I have. Um, LA. Is it? Yeah, so I'm sorry. I, I wish I could be a bit more creative, but Fine LA up. is, yeah, is incredible. Most people are saying London, so that looks something different. <laughs> um, best food, you know, best dish. Can I, can I, be, can I give two? Yep. Okay, so at home... And this is a hack for anyone. This is mm. vegan, but obviously it's vegan. Mm. But those giant medjool dates. Oh yeah, yeah. Cut in half uh-huh. and get some peanut butter in there. Sweet. That sounds good. It's a, bit of a treat one. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my favourite dish at the moment is we do a uh, build your own Buddha bowl. Uh huh. So it's like all of my favourite kind of foods in one big bowl, and yeah, I just yeah. go at it. So like like temp- tempeh, which is like fermented soy, mm-hmm. fermented tofu. Sweet potato, brown rice, avocado, tahini sauce, kale. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's good. Doesn't get much better than that. No, it's good. Favorite restaurant that you love anywhere in the world. So it's actually a restaurant in London, and, and it's not really com- it's not really a competitor, but it's it's a, it's a vegan restaurant in London. It's called Vantra. Okay. It's in it's in Leicester Square, opposite mm-hmm. the W Hotel, and they do kind of uh, Ayurvedic kind of. No oil, no sugar, nothing processed, vegan. Yeah. Really, really... I mean, it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, my taste buds have certainly changed since the kind of steak days, but I think it's, it's, it's just great, really nourishing food. Brilliant. Yeah, really good. Go-to drink? Kombucha. Huh, okay. Uh, any particular brand that you're loving at the moment? We stock jar. Okay. In California Kitchen, which is uh-huh. a good one. LA Brewery, we LA stock in, 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 in yeah, Erpingham Mark. House. But yeah. Erpingham House is very locally focused. So we, we're trying to work with... We, we are pretty much all lo- locally sourced kind of food and drink. And they're in Suffolk. So LA Brewery is, is local to us. So, yes. Um, so yeah, yeah. We, I, I like their, like their kombucha. Shout great. out to Mark Palmer. Indeed. Um, and last thing, uh, worst restaurant. Oh. Where have you had a shocker? Or where would you avoid at all costs? Do you know what? I really hate digging people out. <laughs> Even when they deserve it. Well, I'm you, one of these people. I'm one of these you people. You don't have to name it. You can, you can skirt around I'm one of these people. You that, yeah. you know, do you know what? Like, I'm, I, I made a big point of this with, with TripAdvisor. I just think we've, we've kind of like got this culture now where everyone's a food critic. And they'd rather, <laughs> yeah. they'd rather fulfill their own, I imagine it just to be ego mm-hmm. in, in slating someone and telling everyone they've done it yeah. than actually offering any kind of feedback. Um, <laughs> Where have I had a shocker? I really struggle now of eating anything, anything that's uh, heavily processed. Yeah. Um, anything that's got a lot, lot, a lot of oil or anything. Like, my stomach gets quite upset afterwards. Yeah. I did have a bad experience, actually, on the, the Global Restaurant Investment Forum. That uh-huh. James was... Oh, James, yeah. Yeah. So I went for a coffee. I snuck off at one point. I went for a coffee. I had to do some work. And I asked for soy milk, and they gave me cow's milk. Ooh. And I, after like the first couple of sips, I, I clocked it straight away. Yeah. I asked, and they went, "No, no, it's soy." I was like, "No, it's definitely not." No. On further investigation, yeah, it was cow's milk, and my stomach and you could was just in, tell, I, tell straight away. 
stomach was in bits. Did you give them a bit of a hard time, or were you alright about it? I'm, I'm a lot, I'm a lot less angry nowadays. <laughs> I was quite chilled about it. I was like, yeah, Look, you know, mistakes happen. I said, but I said, yeah. what I would say for you guys is to really be hot on it because yeah. if I would have been lactose intolerant or I had an allergy, yeah, yeah. you could have really been in the shit. Yeah, yeah. So, any final words of advice for anyone that's thinking about either changing diet or? entrepreneurs that want to go for it in business or yeah i think the, the change in diet one is interesting i mean do as much research as you possibly can yeah. everyone's body's different I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting for a second that the whole world go vegan yeah what i would say is be try and be more mindful and educate yourself as to the impacts and the choices we make mm. we know that we we know that animal agriculture is the single biggest drain on the earth's natural resources and we're at a time where we can't afford to further stretch the earth's natural resources yeah. so maybe look to start seeking out some alternatives and some some bits and pieces in, in terms of entrepreneurship I think, you know, there's people that have achieved way more than me that are no more intelligent than me. Equally, there's people that are way more intelligent than me that haven't achieved mm. anywhere close to what to, to what I possibly have. It isn't the variable. The variable is um, taking action. Yeah. It's doing it. You know, it's, it's getting out there and, and putting ideas to, to the test and being prepared to fail. Yeah. And, and I think focusing on the formula, you know, focus on the, like, solve a problem. Yeah. And the way that you would go about identifying that problem is, is it a problem a lot of people have? Yeah. Will it still be a problem in five years? Mm-hmm. Okay. If when you have a problem, yeah. you then seek to create a creative solution to solving that problem. Yeah. Perfect the solution, mm-hmm. and then make sure that it's it's win win for everyone. You know, yeah. if it's a if you've if you've focused on a real on a real problem, you've got an amazing solution for it, but it's a rip off. Yeah. It's not win win, so it's not going to work. In the same way, if you're you know if you're if your staff are having a horrible time in the process. It's not win-win. It's not going to work. Yep. If the planet isn't benefiting from it, if the, pl- if the planet's being you know, destroyed because of it, it's not going to work. Yeah. So I think that formula is a really useful one that people can use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we, it's this case of just going for it. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think that win-win-win thing is going to live with me forever now. I think that's brilliant. And then, do you know, I was with a client the other week and the, my advice to them was don't sell your product, solve the problem. And I think that's a a great piece of advice as well. So yeah, thanks Definitely. so much. It's been a, such a pleasure to meet you. I've really you. enjoyed, enjoyed sitting it. down with you and I'm, I'm sure there'll be many more occasions, especially in Brighton. Indeed. And um, yeah, I just hope you have a nice, cool, air-conditioned rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers thanks. So there you have it. What an amazing chat with an amazing guy, Louis Blake. Just an absolute pleasure. Almost feeling a little bit starstruck. Absolute pleasure sitting with him. So knowledgeable. Uh, Just so much more is going to come from Louis and his team and his partners. Really excited about seeing what's going to happen next. Lots of great advice for marketers, business owners, entrepreneurs and restaurateurs as well. So yeah, thanks so much for that, Louis. It was absolutely brilliant. A huge thanks to all of you that are listening. Really appreciate the reviews and the feedback and the support that we're getting. So thanks again and do please keep tuning in and sharing with that one friend. That's all we ask of you. Massive thanks to our sponsors, BDO, for the support since day one to really help me make this podcast even better and get it out to even more people. So thanks so much, BDO. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all their help in putting this together. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. Thanks for just tuning in and, you know, taking all the information in, really trying to give back to a lot of people and get that free business advice out to you all. 
I really hope that this episode, above a lot of them actually, will really help your brand boom. <laughs>